everyone, and welcome back to Faith in Humanity. As always, I'm your host, Nevada, and today we are going to be talking a little bit about everything. Um, So we're going to be discussing some current events, um, things that have been happening all around the world, both good and bad. Um, We're going to be talking a lot about global poverty and the state of global poverty around the world. So um, we're going to be diving a little bit into a whole bunch of different stories from uh, lots of different countries. Um, And so I wanted to let you all know that um, it was my intention to have a guest on this episode um, this week. And um, that uh, fell through at the last minute. She was not able to um, record with me this week. Um, we have postponed for next week. And, um, so, so next week we will have, um, at least one guest. Um, I've got another one, um, kind of lined up. And so, um, look forward to that. That will be a really uh, exciting episode, um, with some really interesting new, new perspectives. Um, but for this week, I figured that we would just, um, delve into some current event stories and talk about them. So, um, the first, um, thing that I wanted to mention was, um, there have been, uh, some articles recently about, um, homelessness, um, homeless students, um, uh, particularly in the U.S., um, but, um, this pertains to students all around the world, um, and the particular article that I was reading um, that I wanted to discuss today is um, how it, it's about how the number of homeless students um, has been rising significantly. Um, and this is a really um, this is a really pressing matter that's important to discuss because um, education is really one of the more important factors um, in pulling um, people out of extreme poverty. And if those who are trying to educate themselves, um, you know, are not able to have a comfortable house to go home to, to study, to practice, um, to further their education, they will not be as successful as students who have comfortable homes and stable lives. So um, this is really something that I am going to be diving into um, further in this episode because I feel that it's very important that it's spoken about um, because it's a very um, pressing issue um, at this moment. So next I'm just going to reference a video uh, from KSBY News um, that discusses um, homeless students in the United States um, on the central coast and how this number of um, homeless students is on the rise. It takes a look at um, at a particular homeless student. It kind of does a case study on him and how his life and education has been affected because of his homelessness. In California, an alarming number of students are forced to balance tests and homework with the struggle of having no place to call home. The number of homeless students has increased here on the central coast. KSBY News reporter Megan Abundis dug into the numbers and spoke with a Santa Maria sophomore who describes his battle with homelessness. It was, it was a little bit harder to make friends because I was at the shelter. People would think of me as like poor. People would think of me as like homeless. But it, like people don't want to be my friend and like they don't have to be my friend. <laughs> like People just like me for who I am, not, not the amount of money I have, not where I'm staying. Jeremy is 15 years old. 
His outgoing spirit, energetic personality, and happy-go-lucky attitude shine through the camera lens. You wouldn't know he's one of thousands of school students considered homeless on the Central Coast. House drama was, was my mom couldn't keep up with the bills. In California, it was just way too expensive. They've moved around the country many times, not getting too comfortable because they knew they weren't staying anywhere for long. Being split was from my mom the first time really hurt. It, it sucked. Jeremy has faced abuse, poverty, and it's left him struggling to keep up with school. Well, that impacts their learning uh, ability. That impacts their learning environment. It impacts how they feel about themselves. I, I missed a lot of school. I did. I really did. It's embarrassing, for one, to go to school You know, wearing the same clothes um, twice a week, three times a week. It's embarrassing to be hungry. They're tired, so they fall asleep in school. And these are all things that we take for granted that we don't think about. Here's a look at the number of homeless students in some local districts, according to school staff and nonprofits. In Santa Maria in 2017-2018 school year, 10,000 students were counted as homeless. Lompoc and Paso Robles, more than 600. In San Luis Obispo, more than 1,000. These students are considered homeless under the McKinney-Vento Act. That means they may be living in their riverbeds, cars, motels, shelters, on the street, or in a crowded home shared with other families. You go into a bedroom and there's a family of five in the one bedroom. Uh, there's 15, 20 people living in the garage. And so there are all, they have a lot of challenges uh, finishing their academic career living in that setting. Local nonprofits and school districts are working to support these families through case management, after school programs, offering rides, and even places to stay. But they say they can't do it alone. They're looking for volunteers, financial support, and donations of new backpacks and school clothes. It's hard, I'll tell you. It's hard, it is. So although we were living in a shelter, it was still like we were one big family. Jeremy keeps pushing on, finding a more stable place to live with his family, getting a new bike, and pursuing his dream of becoming a Navy rescue swimmer. My mom, we went from the bottom, we went from having no home and staying with family, to, to a shelter, to getting a car, a nice car, a decent van, to getting a home. And we have to keep building up, and I want other people to know, people who don't have homes right now, that things will get better. Well, that is an impressive young man, and that was Megan Abundus reporting. Now, most districts have become more diligent about identifying homeless students based on the state definition. That's because funding is now based on the number of students schools have in foster youth, homeless students, and English language learners. Wow. So, personally, I have never known anyone who has been affected by homelessness um, as a student. Um, but I think that video kind of touches upon the fact that there are thousands of students in the United States and all around the world that are living, that are dealing with homelessness as, um, you know, as a young person who is trying to um, continue their education. And this is a huge problem, as we can see. It really affects the way that um, the student views themselves. They view themselves as um, less worthy. The other students um, take it out on them, and this can create a lot of problems. And so, for so many different reasons, this can really affect the education that a child or a teenager or a young adult um, receives. And so if we want our children 
to become educated all around the world. We need to fight homelessness because education is, as I said earlier in the podcast, education is one of the more important things that we need to tackle when dealing with extreme global poverty because pulling people out of extreme poverty involves educating them so that they can get better jobs, so that they can move to better areas, so that they can better their lives all around. And so this really does begin with education. And if someone has the opportunity to receive an education but doesn't necessarily have a home to go to, that's going to create a lot of problems for this person. And so we need to fight this as best we can as a society, as a country, and as a citizen of the world. So the next segment of this podcast episode, um, I would love to talk about food security um, around the world. Um, I'm going to play a short clip from CNBC about um, food insecurity in Asia, particularly in Southeast Asia. Um, and um, here we get just a first-hand look at the current situation um, and current and uh, past few years um, situation um, in South Asia um, and really the trouble that food insecurity has caused um, for these people. And so take a listen and um, really try to take in what he's saying and, um, and then we'll have a little bit of a discussion about it afterward. From the rural areas where there is acute poverty and food insecurity, they are pushed to urban areas. And unfortunately, in urban areas, there are no hygiene, no sanitation, and they are trapped in urban poverty. So the high economic growth or more aspirations with these people who are leaving rural areas and moving to urban areas, uh, their dream is not being fulfilled. And this is leading to more inequalities in the uh, in all the economies in Asian countries, especially in South Asia and Southeast Asian countries. What needs to be done then to solve these issues, Pramod? Because the way you know that you look at economics, the way that you look at increasing urbanisation, it should provide opportunities and the opportunities to actually close the wealth gap. Yeah, there are you know, opportunities coming through more investment in infrastructure, now infrastructure. All the Asian countries, especially South Asia and Southeast Asian countries are talking that there is more investment to create infrastructure, especially roads, ports and airports. And also uh, the housing is also a big problem. So for example, in India, it has been started a hundred smart cities will come up by 2022. So the housing infrastructure and also uh, no, making food available to these vulnerable classes which are living in slums in, in urban areas and do not have no, no minimum facilities for no, even water or other sanitation. So government's uh, high priority is to invest in, uh, in urban areas to create more employment opportunities. So empower these people to have more incomes and so that they can live a decent life in urban areas when they are moving from the rural uh, background.
While many sectors say Asia and the Pacific is on the rise economically in the 21st century, the region still faces numerous development challenges. Among the issues that confront the continent is hunger. The situation is most dire in South Asia, where six out of every 10 people do not have enough to eat. The Asian Development Bank is doing its share to combat hunger by building roads that link farmers directly to markets, enabling them to sell their crops at a cheaper price due to lower transportation costs. This means more consumers can buy fresher food at an affordable price. ADB is also investing in other areas that help raise food productivity. And we do that through irrigation, which obviously increases uh, produce. Resilience is another important factor, meaning resilience of the communities to food price volatility and climate change. And again, our investments in climate change help towards making our communities more resilient. Ironically, while many remain hungry, recent statistics from the Food and Agriculture Organization say that roughly one-third or 1.3 billion tons of food produced for human consumption globally per year goes to waste. Profound changes in the food and agriculture system are needed in order to maximize food resources to feed more people. One relatively easy way to do this is to reduce food waste at the consumption level. We're able to sustain all of us and even... Annie Guerrero of Zero Waste Philippines, and owner of a local restaurant in Manila, practices food sustainability in her restaurant. Discarded food items, such as coffee grounds and fish entrails, are not thrown into the dustbin. Instead, they are transformed into fertilizer for plants such as lettuce, grown in an epicenter and created. The lettuce is then served at the restaurant. In Singapore, a non-profit organization called Food from the Heart collects unsold bread and pastries from bakeries and hotels and distributes them to welfare organizations and needy individuals in an effort to reduce food waste. While in Japan, the parent company of convenience torching 7-Eleven, along with food recycling company, Agrigaya System, turns food waste into animal feed. Incremental steps actually result to giant steps. We need everybody to work in it. This simple but effective methods in reducing food waste can help shape a more sustainable future, eventually feeding more people in the region and the rest of the world. So I think essentially one of the main takeaways from those two clips is that there is enough food in the world to feed everyone. Everyone who is hungry, everyone who needs it, um, everyone who is malnourished, there is plenty of food. There's an abundance of food that is being wasted. And so we're producing plenty of food, but much of it is going to waste. And so I think the key takeaway is... Um, how can organizations, um, you know, like the Borgham Project, um, push to make um, things like this a priority? Um, you know, organizations such as the Borgham Project are have realized that these are that this is what we're working with. We're working with an an overabundance of food that is being thrown away. We're working with food insecurity. We're working with 
um, homeless students, uh, people who can't get a, a good education because of their living situation, um, organizations such as the Borgen Project look at these issues and they say, what can we do to help? What can we do to push leaders to help these terrible things happening around the world go away and to help make them better? And so just to go back to the, um, the, the last clip, um, the main findings from um, this clip about food security issues across this region um, showed a couple of themes. Um, so the first theme that it showed was um, just overall ensuring the sustainability of global food systems um, to in order to meet growing um, food demand without sacrificing the resources of future generations. So therefore improving the efficiency of food production and delivery, um, as well as maximizing the benefits of international trade. Um, the second major theme was um, reducing poverty and vulnerability to food insecurity. Um, so this is to ensure the ability to purchase sufficient and nutritious food, um, but also reducing the price impact on real incomes of poor households. So um, providing effective uh, social safety nets for those um, bypassed by rapid economic growth and poverty reduction efforts. Um, and then the third uh, major theme was establishing risk management systems and tools. So um, this is to provide food-based safety nets that offer immediate relief to um, disadvantaged groups during crises um, building adequate emergency food reserves and relief systems as a buffer to natural and human-made disasters, as well as introducing risk management systems and tools such as crop insurance and futures, uh, future contracts to help mitigate the effects of um, price vol volatility and crises. So these are all really important takeaways from, um, from this clip and from this whole, um, from all of these findings. So to conclude this episode, I just want to touch base on the fact that we are living in a world where we have, we in the developed world have many things at our fingertips. Um, we are very fortunate to have a roof over our heads and an abundance of food on our plate. Um, however, it's really important to remember that in the developed world, there are many people living without a home, living, um, you know, without, uh, n without knowing where their next meal is going to come from. And so this is really important to remember that there are, just because we are in the quote unquote developed world, doesn't mean that we don't still struggle with, um, with these issues that we see all around the world. Um, another really important takeaway from this episode is just that um, we waste a lot of food and um, many people are very conscious of this and try to compost and recycle as much as they possibly can. But on the global scale, we waste so much food every year um, and there are so many people in the world that are hungry. So doing the best that we can to... Um, to rely on organizations such as the Borgen Project and other projects that are um, really basing this their efforts around trying to come up with solutions for these um, travesties around the world are very, very important. Support, um, as always, um, give back and put in your efforts. Make sure that you are um, choosing the 
right things and making the right decisions to help um, produce a, a better world um, for us all to live in. And so as always, I thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week. We'll have a special guest and we'll talk about a lot more current events and really interesting things relating to global poverty. So thank you very much for listening and tune in next week.